Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Good morning. This is a public service announcement for Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Jan Mitchell calling in to encourage you to join the Dumpty Dum Patreon team. For a small donation of $2 a show, you will get access to extra content like Royfield's fabulous interviews, Anya who plays Alexi, of course, and Headley who plays the mysteriously missing Kathy. Those interviews really enriched my enjoyment of The Archers, and I'm really looking forward to the next one with Becky Wright, who played Nick Grundy. Please consider supporting our wonderful Dumpty Dum creative team. You won't be disappointed. Oh, and by the way, no one asked me to do this. This is all on me. Bye, everybody. That's a bit of an end. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality ducky drama that has sent an ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. On the heartfelt bedside confession, that is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the rarely heard but frequently run from Susie Riddell, aka Tracy Oribin. Yeah, hey, we've got the big uns uh, sitting in for our Lucy folks. We don't spare the budget when it comes to having a stand in guest host on Dumpty Dum. And we've gone straight to the heart of things and had the best character that is scornfully underused in the whole of Ambridge. It's our Susie, a.k.a. Tracy. But the last part, folks, of our Grundy brother confessional, folks, is you. This week's Dumpty Dum is from Fat Bloke Talking and his 10-year-old son. And they did that on Minecraft or something or another. But Susie, somebody would like to send us in a fresh Dumpty Dum. How can they do that? Well, Royfield, if you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum leave us a plot prediction, um, then call us on 0203 031 3105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. 
Um, I would like to say on behalf of Royfield and everyone here, thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and doing the Dumpty Dogs, Shambridge for her brilliant voices. She is brilliant. Isabel McCurdy for helping Royfield, Mike Hatton for his character counts and to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. On this week's episode, folks, we hear views from Miss Mid-City, Auntie Jean, Claire from Clapham, Blythe Spirit, Minxie Brit. She's come all... The, you know where she... Guess where she's rung in from? Canada. Mm, we've had Canadian calls. And actually, um, Jan from Cannes, who did the little public service announcement at the start of the show, she's yeah. from Canada. Guess oh. again. Okay. Um, Uganda. Oh, good guess. That's very close to our Vicky Cole in Kenya. Uh, one more guess. Think uh, think General Tojo, think Datsun Cars. I'm showing my age by saying Datsun Cars. And think uh, Sushi. Oh, Japan. Is it? Yes. What our you- first Dum Dum caller all the way from Japan. Amazing. That's brilliant. It is. It is. And as well as Minxie Brit over there in Tokyo, we have a call from the lovely, lovely Tracy Shevin. Uh, but... First, normally we'd actually say, but first before the calls, express ourselves for Lucy V. Freeman's in a week in Ambridge. Uh, but we don't have that, do we? No. Because um, it's just, just you and me. Yeah. And I haven't prepared anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I didn't ask you to. I didn't no. ask you to. But after uh, Lucy does her normally wondrous uh, week in Ambridge, we have a little bit of a chat about the last week in Ambridge. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of go over it. So. It must be kind of weird for you being uh, an occasional voice on the show, but also um, a listener. Mm. So are you able to kind of like, you know, disentangle being in it, hearing your screen sister and then also being a listener and just enjoy it? How does that work? Well, funnily, I can completely detach myself (laughs) from the fact that I know, you know, all these people as actors. Um, uh, mm-hmm. And not their characters, but yeah, because it's so it's so brilliant. Um, I get completely sucked in, and I, you know, weep and laugh and do all the things that every other listener is doing, um, as well. Because yeah, I get sucked into the story, and uh, if I hear, you know, if Tracy gets mentioned, obviously I get very excited. <laughs> Am I going to be in uh-huh. it? <laughs> um, and sometimes I am. Um, but that, that that's quite nice because that is quite an odd thing. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I get into it as much as anyone else and, and it's just brilliant. And this last week has been, well, frankly, tremendous, <laughs> I think. Fantastic scripts. It has been um, a great week. And it has to be said that literally all the calls are really around uh that you know brian getting his kind of comeuppance and what is the real meaning of that but there was a tiny bit of roy and lexi so so how do you think our tracy would be dealing with the fact that roy's swanning around the village uh with, with lexi right now um well the thing is so tracy thought roy was horribly boring i think she'd be I think she's probably a bit bemused because I think Lexi is quite a catch, isn't she? Really? Um, and I would... isn't that the other way around? Because isn't Lexi thinking that Roy's a bit of a catch? Because you know she's got uh, a Brexit two for one there, really, hasn't she? She can either sneak in before Brexit, or if um, you know Europeans get treated somewhat shabbily, but by the government 
post-Brexit, she can marry him. So either way, she's got a two-for-one there. So surely Roy is the cat. (laughs) Am I just being cynical? I think that's quite cynical. I don't... I mean, she's doing... um, She's doing a real act of kind of humanity by offering her body up as a human receptacle, um, baby receptacle. I think it's amazing that she's doing that. Um, I suppose they're both catches to each other. Well, otherwise, it's a very uneven relationship. I mean, I think Tracy's kind of over that now. I mean, it's been a year. Is it a year since you were last up at the yeah. BBC studios? No, doing no. That? The last, the last time you heard Tracy was September, mm-hmm. twenty seventeen. So, so yeah, six months. Because when I look at your um, who which characters have been on this uh-huh. month, or and I look at the list who hasn't been on this year at all, and I was like, what? I'm sure I heard them last week. Because you, because we're we're we hear them because they're talked about and we're aware and they are in the village and they're there. But it's but you might not necessarily hear their voices. I always find it very weird <clears throat> thinking who hasn't been in it for a bit actually vocally because they're in our heads. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Because every now and then I would have thought as well that Susan. Uh, will we'll mention her sister, you know, if it's if not just completely in passing. Yeah. What was it work? What was it like working with, with Charlotte? I think she's awesome, by the way. She's absolutely brilliant. She, for one, she's lovely. Um, mm. Two, she's a just fantastic actress and very generous as a performer. And we just get on really well, and which is lovely because when you're playing sisters, you kind of want to you know, have a, have a rapport. <laughs> we definitely do. And I think she's great. And I'm really, yeah. I Well, I hope I get in the studio with her again soon. Kerry is listening. Kerry's listening. Oh, but but we need the, we need the script editor to, to listen though, don't we? I know, um, I know. So what, what do you do, you know, to go and build up that kind of chemistry between the pair of you? Do you go and have like a little, you know, sisterly bondly bonding coffee somewhere, you know, just yeah. round the back of the, the mailbox or something? Yeah, we've had lunch in the mailbox. We've had a drink. Mm-hmm. Had a drink with um, Ifty, Ifty Car. <laughs> That's someone you haven't heard for a while. I t- tell you uh, what, is Ifty Car as handsome? The actor who plays Ifty Car is he as handsome as all the female listeners and some male actually uh, would like him to be? Because he was supposed to be incredibly dashing, wasn't he? Oh, he is dashing. Yeah, definitely. He's lovely. I can't say anymore unless my husband listens. To- <laughs> considering that our tracy is supposed to be such a voluptuous woman a vamp i think we can almost say um why do you think she has such a terrible track record with men well i think because she's not quite grown up yet um she does have a bit i think she gets a really rough ride from people (laughs) she gets a bit of a was that a euphemism? Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We'd have to ask some of her past conquests. Um, but for all her talk, she probably isn't quite ready to settle down yet, even though she is in her early 40s with two children. Um, and she doesn't really pick the right people. Mm. I, so far, I mean, in my time 
playing Tracy. Uh, she split up from Den, and yeah. the only other you know relationship we really heard about was the sort of one snog with Roy and her pursuing him, which was not reciprocated at all. I think they need to get some more blokes in the village, some eligible. Maybe Alistair. Alistair might be up for it. Well, you know, post-Shuley, you never know. Don't you think that Tracy would meet her match with old Jazza? It's been said many times by lots of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they'd be hilarious. I think it would be a good combination. So who have I got a right to? Who who do I need to petition to make that happen? Because... It it does feel so incredibly obvious. They're they're the the mirror image of each other, aren't they? In terms of you know, how old is he? He's a bit. Mm, Isn't he like mid thirties? Yeah, mid thirties. Would how would he feel about the two kids? Actually, he'd probably be lovely, wouldn't he? He'd be a lovely one. Yeah, I think Jazz would make a lovely stepdad. Yeah. Well, you know, just keep saying it every week on Dumpty Dum. (laughs) (laughs) Twitter arty will um. Come on, take it on board. Yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great. That's the brilliant thing about it. There are so many different ways all, all these characters could go. And that's when you when you get a big shock, like, you know, the Shula and Alistair storyline at the moment, or the, the, the Aldridges. Um, yeah, that's one of many permutations that could have happened, like real life. Mm. So what do you feel? What do you think about the old Shula? and Alistair debacle because we all kind of saw something coming didn't we but it was just yeah, so sudden when she actually said that's it I'm out of this well uh, I think that does happen um mm-hmm. I know at least one couple who in real life who um the the man had made the decision that he was leaving and the, the woman was although it hadn't been right but his partner was incredibly shocked and there was no discussion and then that's really hard for the person who isn't being allowed to to salvage it yeah i I must admit i find this incredibly selfish because if you enter into a marriage with with somebody um at least you expect communication on both sides and Mm. you know i've said it for the last the last three weeks anyone has the right to fall out with anybody but it's not an on-off switch is it it you know there there is a gray period where you are feeling frustrated as we as the listeners heard and this was going on for quite some time but she should have absolutely communicated that to Alistair Alistair book your ideas up needs we need you know Alistair go go cook some chili like your sister does like your like your like your screen sister does you know let's put some magic back into this but she didn't you know, she didn't give him the chance to uh, show that he that he still cared, and and I just find that incredibly sad. Though it was incredibly well written, and it's Shula, isn't it? That kind of bottles it up, and then, but it is. It's really I'm frustrated for Alistair, and and it's really heartbreaking as well. When I was listening to him chatting to to Philip, and and when he kept he kept saying I'm trying from her point of view, and I was like, oh god, that's so. That's so sweet, um, but so tragic. What can you say to someone who doesn't want to talk? Because you're right, I do. I feel like it's selfish as well. I feel like she should at least be giving him some explanations rather than this is how it is. 
it's over. I found Jill's perspective on it um, interesting. And I know a lot of listeners were like, you know, she's your daughter, you just back a full stop. But she at least has the, um, I thought it was very honest for the character of Jill to be talking to Alan and to be saying, I'm confused. And also Jill is a completely different generation, isn't she? Where somebody of Jill's generation wouldn't just bail out. You know, it's it's very conceivable that she wouldn't have confronted um, her Phil, her her husband, and say that she had these problems because, again, it's somebody of a different generation. But that generation, you know, for, for their marriage definitely was a lifetime contract and you didn't bail out because you were feeling under underloved, shall we say, or a little bit ignored. You just soldiered on, so to speak. Well, uh, but partly that's because women who were divorced it was looked on differently wasn't it no no, no that, that is absolutely true you know the so, social you know social convention for uh, a, a, a divorcee uh, was, wasn't a good one yeah so that that's that's part of it in a way a kind of positive to look at it that people can now get on with their lives if, if it isn't working but I th- what I found interesting about Jill was that she is she's she's switching isn't she between I need to support my daughter. Why didn't I notice anything to, mm. and I don't want to lose him. She said that, didn't she? I don't want to. Yeah. Um, I love him as a, as a son and I'd hate to lose him. And and I, I really liked that because it's, that's the, that's the, the awful thing about relationship breakups and particularly divorce. Um but I suppose anybody going through a boyfriend, girlfriend, when you, know, when you sort of, I don't know if you've ever had this, I'm in, in years gone by, if I've split up with someone, I'm thinking, no, but I won't see his mum anymore. I really like his mum. <laughs> so you're losing the whole, well, not, not, you don't necessarily have to, but people can lose lots of people, not just their partner. No, I, listen, I, I couldn't agree more. And though... Obviously, if Alistair remains, if they do end up properly separating, then divorcing, but then Alistair stays in the village, you know, Jill will still have a relationship with Alistair of sorts, yeah. you know, very obviously because she's going to see him pretty, uh, pretty regularly. But I, I think you're completely right that that component of the breakup of uh, a relationship generally isn't really remarked on. Mm. on these types of programs mm. you, you you deal with just the, the the two principles falling out and separating that's it but very obviously there are the others around and it's what how do they feel about it uh, what difficulty what confusion does it you know kind of pl- you know uh, yeah. um g- give them and stuff and and i thought that was actually really touching touching what yeah, Jill said you know you know I I see him as, as my son as well, she said to Alan. Yeah. And um But then of course she is Shula's mother, so she feels that guilt as you as you rightly reminded me, that she didn't spot that um Shula was feeling um so cold toward towards the marriage. But also also what I do like is the position of Philip though, that he's kind of almost stuck in the middle, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> getting it from both sides he's interesting isn't he is he is he really interesting though well because i'm not sure about him 
because when he went when he went to speak to Shula and said um he had soup had soup uh, and he was like just because mm-hmm. um Alistair's confided to me doesn't mean I've taken sides or anything I think it's a hard place to be I I would find it very difficult if I'd had a long heart to heart which was a real heart to heart with Alistair and then gone the next day and seen Shula I'd find it really quite awkward but he doesn't seem to find that but maybe that's just him but do you think also that Shula has her eye on him because remember at the hunt was it the Houghton ball then she was all kind of slightly sniffing around wasn't she mm. <laughs> like a hound <laughs> I don't know I, I wouldn't <laughs> don't know what about Kirsty? but I don't know whether this Phil and Kirsty are a proper match anyway because isn't he a, he's a little bit older anyway yeah so I, I, as it stands, haven't I've missed, mm-hmm. I've missed any ones where they're actually together. <laughs> so I just keep hearing <laughs> him say, "I went for a date with Kirsty," and I'm like, "Did he? <laughs> Is he making it up?" Well, he, you know, he's not. No, I don't. We have heard, we have I've heard one or two scenes of them together. But Susie, I tell you what, you haven't missed any chemistry. There is no, you know, when uh, Jolene and Kenton are together, there is absolute chemistry. Yeah. I believe David and Ruth. I believe Jennifer and Brian. Right. There is zero zilch between Phil and Kirsty. So I'm saying this is this is all still to play for. Yeah. I'm telling you. Well, it's still early days, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I can't possibly comment because I haven't heard. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what we should do, right? Because there's a lot of calls about um, the Grundy brothers, yeah. the confession and the fall of the House of Aldridge. So what we should do now, uh, Miss Riddell, go and see what the great caller inner is of Dumpty Dumland reckon. Hello, Ambridge 3962. And first we have Tracy Shevin. Hi there, Royfield, Lucy and all you dumpty dumb listeners out there. My name's Tracy Chevin. I'm a long-time listener, but only second or third time caller in. I'm just ringing with a couple of things. Uh, Nick, I really dislike the end of this storyline, um, blaming her for the Matt Crawford um, incident. I just don't feel that she did run him over. I think it's a cop-out. Um, I think it was actually Alice, but there you go. Talking about Alice, will they be expanding on the fact that she is a functioning alcoholic or will she need to be going to AA? Let's wait and see what they do with that. And Home Farm, I'm actually enjoying the Home Farm storyline. Let's see if they will expand on the demise of Brian. Again, we'll wait and see quick plug for my friend who was also a dump to dump listener charlotte foster with her cultural quarter of an hour uh, weekly podcast so if you live in and around stoke-on-trent or the north staffshire area please take a listen to her podcast it's really really interesting um much more culture than you think that goes on in stoke-on-trent extremely sorry for the noise in the background that's my two doggies <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so um thanks ever so much for listening and thanks guys Always enjoy Dumpty Dum. 
speak soon. Bye. Mm. Uh, culture in Stoke. Is there such a thing, Susie? Well, I was just thinking how lovely it was to hear a Stoke uh, pottery's accent because uh, my mother grew up in Staffordshire. Um, ah. Yeah. I did like I did like the word culture being accompanied by <laughs> squeaky. <time. laughs> that's that brilliant timing. You see, there is culture. There's a lot of comedy up there. It was great. Um, but yeah, great accent. One I cannot do. Being a Brummie, Staffordshire is also a weird place because you go from South Staffs and it's proper black country. And then by the time you get to Stafford, which is what, 20 miles, 50 miles, it sounds this weird mashup between the black country and, and to me, northern. It goes really weird and they have all these weird words like nesh for cold and all these dialect words. And then by the time you get to Stoke, as far as I'm concerned, it could be Newcastle, it's proper north. You know, it's just like it's gone bonkers. But it's all all within this one small county. But anyway, so much me talking about accents and not knowing really what I'm talking about. We should really deal with the meat and potatoes of her call. So, Nick and this running over of of Matt, Matt Splat. Yeah. Um, Where do you stand on that? Well, she was... She was mentioned a lot during that whole episode, wasn't she? There was um, that it was potentially Nick. She was behind the bar, wasn't she? Yeah, I remember her name coming up. Um, so I suppose from that respect, it's not out, you know, completely out of the blue. Um, and of course, her her final words made it clear that something she'd done something she wasn't very proud of um i think it's quite well yeah i think it's quite um it's quite good i think it's it's interesting <laughs> what i what i love is that what i loved about will telling ed is cuz all the time he's thinking yeah but it was matt <laughs> And he was all right, and then and then he did a bunk. I was like, yeah, and then he just ran off after leaving a trail of destruction in his wake. Um, mm. and so if she'd run over, I don't know, somebody really nice, Alan the vicar, Alan or Tracy, um, then oh god, no, you don't have to run over Tracy. Well, no, I suppose. <laughs> no, you would, wouldn't you? Because then that's going to get you back and brum and some paid work. <laughs> Do you have other paid work? <laughs> what are you working on at the moment? Uh, growing a baby. <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, I don't get paid for it. Not like Lexi. <laughs> <laughs> I have thought of that. I should have got my husband to pay me. Um, yeah. How far gone Growing a you? child. Um, six months. So I, as I've been listening. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to Pip. Um, with her first baby and sort of remembering back to the feelings. And it was, uh, yes, I did have a bit of a tear in my eye when she felt felt the baby kick for the first time. Um, but I'm a few, I'm just a few weeks ahead of her time-wise. Um, mm-hmm. so, so maybe I should just get the baby and <laughs> get the baby. Um, they want some baby noises and mine will be about the right age. <laughs> who, who was your Bert? Who did you have to, who was about to like, you know, manhandle your bump and you had to like, you know, sw- oh, swing your happened. bump away from him? It's happened. It was a man. A man has done it. No one's done it um, 
uh-huh. with this one. But it's it's not massive. Have a have a sort of neat bump, people say. You can't tell from the back. <laughs> it's just my turn round. You know. Yeah. Um so that's happening alongside other stuff. What might oh well I do lots of um lots of things. I'm currently um I'm about to do a play um with my book mm-hmm. called Temporary, uh which is about the social housing crisis. Um and it's funny as well as being powerful and um topical and yeah brilliant <laughs> so that's happening at camden people's center uh in april you see me dressed as a chicken a pregnant chicken nice <laughs> 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 sing power ballads uh, i also do lots of lots of other voice work um and i'm writing as well at the moment which is a new venture for me I'm writing a sitcom. you know what tell you what you do yeah. tell what we'll do right let's get Miss Mid City out of the way, the Minxie Brit. Then you, then you can tell us all about this sitcom. Okay, right? No, I'm not telling you about the sitcom. I, I can't reveal anything other than I'm writing one because it'll just sound rubbish and then someone will nick the idea. <laughs> You're such a tease. Hi, it's Miss Mid City. I've just received a <laughs> prompt <laughs> from Royfield encouraging me to share my thoughts about the. Um, the revelation that Will already knew that Nick was the driver of the car that struck Matt. Uh, I'd written something on the forum and, and here's what I said, basically, that the whole thing is preposterous. Um, made me laugh out loud when I heard it because it occurred to me that there was no need for Nick's deathbed confession to Joe. What purpose does it serve? It was just, it was pure drama and nothing to do with character or anything sensible at all i can't think for one minute why nick would want to torture joe with a deathbed secret that she and will had been keeping quiet for quite a while now i don't understand why she would have felt any need to share that information at all and the only reason that will shared the information was because he was getting a little bit drunk um, maybe it was because they're both feeling so guilty, but I don't understand why either of them would let it slip. I don't see why Nick would feel the need to, to waste her last breath telling Joe something he didn't need to know instead of making uh, a declaration of love for Will or for her children or wanting to spend that final, that final time with Will or the children. It's just stupid. Um, And then the idea that Will has now got uh, a secret that he shares with with Ed, which doesn't, I don't understand why it it doesn't bond, it it bonds them, but not in a nice positive way. It's quite malign. And I'd be very, very careful of Will. Um, What he's done is, uh, is very dodgy legally, and it's quite odd morally as well. Odd morally. Deathbed confessions. Is going to be any of those in your in your soap opera? <laughs> Sitcom. <laughs> um, don't know yet. I've only written. What's the, what's the difference? What's the difference? Well, a sitcom. Well, a soap opera is um, something that goes on for, for years. <laughs> Sitcoms like six episodes. Situation comedy, uh, essentially comedy in one place, mostly. Um, soap opera. Many characters, 
more realistic with a little bit of comedy? Don't know. So you can't tell us too much about it, right? Nothing at all. Can uh, how long have you been writing it? How long has it been in the gestation? Uh, There you go. uh, In gestation for where are we? About five months. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it takes a while. It's the first. It's the first one I've ever tried to write. Writing is is quite hard. Although once you've got, once you get into a bit of a flow, it's very enjoyable. I I get the same adrenaline rush that I get when I've, you know, I don't know, done a really good scene, acted a really good scene or something. Not quite as good as being on stage, but yeah, it's exciting. Creating a world. (laughs) <laughs> can you understand you know when you when you create a world right and it has these different kind of competing characters mm-hmm. um how how easy is it to to write somebody to write a character's motivation which would be very different from yours can, can you empathize with that character uh yeah because <laughs> I suppose if you with when you create you create a character and you give them a backstory um and they may not say things that you would ever say but it's quite enjoyable being able to put that stuff down and think think a little differently for a few lines or so um so with your with your writer's head can you imagine because i was really struck by miss mid city's call mm. that on the one hand i agreed with her and then the other hand i didn't i agreed with her in that the the motive the initial motivation for the deathbed confession seemed a little bit bizarre um from a plot point considering that in effect it's been wrapped up already so we had the whole who splatted matt Mm. okay and i went on record on this podcast by saying categorically it was josh because josh had josh had bought a new car the week beforehand and i think he was driving fast and then all of a sudden josh had just disappeared right but but then you have this whole thing where there was a deathbed confession and then Miss Miss City said, well, what was the point? I suppose the point was, was that she was wrestling with it with a conscience, wasn't she? Because she does go to church. Is, is this Christian? What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I would say I would agree with what you just said. I think, it, I mean, I, I haven't been on my deathbed, so I don't know. But I would imagine <laughs> that well, she was terrified as well. And mm. she is a Christian, so did she believe she was going to hell? Um, she did say that, didn't she? She said she wasn't going to go to the good place or something. Words along that. And that's all. Words along that. To think, mm. imagine, and and I heard um, I heard uh, Becky's um, interview with you, um, mm-hmm. and I thought everything she said about Nick's 
about her thinking about Nick's last moments was just just rang so true. Which, and I mean, the scene rang true. It was it was completely believable. Um, really brilliantly acted. Um, yeah, I think it was it was on her mind because she's about to die, and that's the worst thing she's ever done, and she felt terrible about it. Um, oh no. The worst thing she ever did was to marry Will. <laughs> Good grief. Imagine. <laughs> oh gosh. Um Yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't have a problem with that as a you know as a plot at all. I think she was musing on her life just before it ended. Mm. Shall we see what Minxie Britt thinks? Yeah. Hello, Dumpty Dummers around the world. This is Minxie Britt calling from Tokyo. I'm a university teacher and long-time listener, first-time caller in My vintage is Nigel and his death, probably, but I have been here in the Archers ever since I was a baby. I have really enjoyed hearing Brian realising that things don't always happen on his own terms. It was really refreshing to hear Jenny stand up to him. I think she's realised that his lies cost not just her, but the whole family and the business too. Part of me hopes that Brian will learn from this experience, but I fear he won't because he's really invested in being number one. And it's too much fun to listen to him being Brian anyway. I'm also curious about Will's confession I don't know what prompted it. It it just doesn't feel like it was the alcohol alone. It feels more like he wanted to uh, assert something over his brother. The whole thing felt a bit wrenched, really. And it will be interesting to hear how Ed's going to behave with this knowledge. He obviously won't be able to keep it to himself, but who will he tell? And what will the outcome be from that? It's going to be interesting. That's all from me. In Japan, we say otsukaresama desu, which means you are honourably tired. So that's all. Otsukaresama. Will Grundy. Will Grundy. My brain's whirling now. Let's hope that the confession, you know, that Will has now confirmed what Joe said to Ed, that that confession at least brings him some level of solace, that he's unburdened himself. Yeah. And I thought that actually, you know, if that was me, I probably would have done the same to protect my wife. Probably, I, I you know, I, you know, it's not not totally outlandish uh, to think that um, you would do that. Oh, no. um, kids, and I suppose you panic in the spot. Yeah, exactly. You panic that. in the spot, don't but you? You saw, yeah. I I completely believe that. And do you know what I thought as well about this whole week? Uh, as a theme of kind of protecting your children. This theme mm-hmm. just kept coming back and back. But I suppose that's just because that is family life. That is what families do. Um, but I- you know what? You're completely right because there's the other bit of Minxy Brit's call, which is about Brian and the fallout with the Aldridge's. And and what and and Brian thought that what he was doing was not only just protecting his own reputation, but protecting his reputation from his children. You're spot on them. You're good. <laughs> well, also, 
know, yeah. and Jill. It, there's a lot. There's a, there is a theme. There seems to be a theme um, running through it. Um, but yeah, Brian. It kind of, I felt it was like it was like a, a tragedy, like a Shakespearean tragedy, isn't it? Is it, that's no, that's exactly what it really is. fantastic yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, storyline. And Jennifer played a mm. blinder, <laughs> just loving hearing Jennifer Aldridge at the moment. I, I can't remember who it was on the Twitters. It might even have been Dumpty Dum. Actually, it might have been uh, Yokel Bear that does our Dumpty Dum and says "Et tu, Brute," you know, as well. You know, well, Jennifer just puts a knife yeah. in, doesn't she? Right, right at the end. Like even she's even she's had enough of Brian. Hi, Dumpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. Firstly, with a spoon, really sorry to hear about your leg and your poor service from the hospital. I hope you feel better soon. This week, I was really excited to hear uh, Ruth stand up to Brian and more importantly, give Jenny the courage to stand up to Brian. Very much enjoying the fall of the House of Aldridge. I want to see where that goes. Uh, And then I wanted to talk about Will's confession to Ed. I found it really believable. Uh, the scenario that he paints about what happened on the night of the Matt Splat. Uh, and, you know, I could just think, you know, you've got your child in a car and they've been sick and you're on your way home. And I just think, you know, that was really believable. And in fact, the, the cover-up activities also I found quite believable. But I didn't find believable was that Will told Ed, of all people, you know, his nemesis. I think that's a bit unlikely, even in the wake of grief. And I want to know if they'll tell Joe because... On the one hand, it will make him feel better that he wasn't imagining what Nick said. But on the other hand, you'll find out that Nick really did do it. So I think that's a quandary there. Uh, and more importantly, uh, no, Ed's, you know, Nicola Hedron's right. Ed will be king of Ambridge because the power he has over Will now is quite substantial. And uh, I don't think they need to worry about the deposit for their house anymore because they can just blackmail Will with this information. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, yeah, keep up the good work. Speak to you soon. And now let's have a little bit of Auntie Jean. Hello, everyone. It's Auntie Jean here. Hope everyone is well in Dumpty Dum Land. Um, I just want to say that whoever wrote Linda's takedown of Tolkien in this week's um, The Archers is absolutely brilliant. Spot on. I mean, I like Lord of the Rings. That's fine. But the Silmarillion is unreadable without any shadow of doubt. And it made me hoot with laughter. I was almost as hooty as Jill. I also wanted to comment on the will, Nick, he knew everything. I think my main complaint there is that we never had a chance, really, of working this out. I hate it when that happened in films, that they suddenly sort of throw you a curveball right at the end. We may have had her down as a very, very slight suspect. We couldn't possibly have known that Will got involved and that there was things going off Mike that we didn't know about going on off Mike and I think that's my major complaint really we should have been we should have heard these scenes between her and Will otherwise it just makes no sense I'm pretty sure that Brian being ousted from um, home farm and made to retire may cause a stroke or a heart attack and that's how we see him go out I would hope not but it wouldn't surprise me at all Sheila's just going to disappear off volunteering missionary work in Nepal or somewhere isn't she poor them is all I can say anyway that's me, I think. Um, as I said before, if you're coming to the Oxford Meetup, I'll hopefully see you there. And in the meantime, bye-bye. Uh, Silmarillion, Tolkien, where do you stand on oh. all that? That was That is one of my favourite scenes of all time. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> genius. Um, it's just hilarious. What did she say? There's one line that really 
a random assemblage with no literary merit whatsoever. <laughs> random assemblage. I just thought it was brilliant. I've not read any Tolkien um, as an English literature graduate. That's probably a bit embarrassing. I have no desire to. <laughs> and there's a Brummie, actually, because a lot of the a lot of his inspiration for places in Lord of the Rings, they're in Birmingham. Sorry, Tolkien. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it could have been about any, but it, I don't think, I've not read any Tolkien. I love the Lord of the Rings films. I loved it when she whispered to Jenny, is there a film of it? Um, I just thought it was just so hilarious. And it was wonderful hearing those words, you know, from Linda Snell, and she's just amazing. Um, it was hilarious, just a brilliant, brilliant scene. The best twenty pounds I've ever spent. <laughs> no, I, 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 absolutely, and and everybody seems to be of the same ilk. You know, all the listeners, all the dumdy dumbies, all, all, all the people on the forum that they all hate that book. <laughs> well, I actually did Google it. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, I'm not even sure I've ever heard of it actually. Because of course, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit are so famous and were before the films anyway. Um, and it's a, when it says uh, uh, it defies description or something, I thought, oh, oh dear, <laughs> <laughs> that isn't good, is it? <laughs> really? Not normally. Um, no. It's too huge. It can't be. No, it doesn't appeal. I won't be picking it up. So thank you, Linda, for your literary criticism. Uh, it saved me, yeah, ten, wasting at least 10 days of my life. <laughs> she has. So funny. It's great. So when you're writing your, and, and I called it a soap opera before, and, and I, I know the difference in a, a sitcom and a soap opera, but I'll, I'll, just, I'll just chiding you gently. Um, with your sitcom, where are you taking inspiration from? Anything literary or is it all televisual? Mm. I suppose probably the inspiration is actually uncon- unconscious. Unconscious mm-hmm. inspiration? Um, it's probably mostly um, other, uh, yeah, visual television film music as well um and real life um but not nothing in the literary world as yet i don't think um but yeah i think a lot of it is just is is kind of just what i um it's not something i'm thinking about but if someone else read it they'd go oh yeah that's because you really like friends or that's because you like the archers or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, there are de- there are lots of references to things in it, um, which I'm enjoying. And I think I, uh, it's, it'll be, I've got, a, I've got an audience in mind, um, but they, they will, <laughs> some of the references, you have to be of a certain age. Um you'd have to be of a certain age to get, I think. But I don't have a problem with that. You're really playing this close to your chest. 
<laughs> the trouble is yeah, when I'm you start not... talking about something, it ends up sounding uh-huh. rubbish. Um, and and also someone else might nick the idea. I think it's quite a good idea. It's not just me. There's a few of us. I've got a writing partner, and then there's um, but there's four of us in the gang. Well, it Watch sounds very exciting. I'm watching. And I, I tell you who else will probably watch. Blythe Spirit. Hello, Dumpty Dum, Blythe Spirit calling. Well, I've just caught up with the week in Ambridge. And I have to say, I'm slightly perplexed. Will's very, very long meandering exposition as to how he actually covered up Matt Splat, I found quite bizarre, to be perfectly honest. Um, I really like the scene with Ed. I thought that was very nice. And the way that, that, you know, after everything that they've been through, they were able to sit down quietly and have a beer and just be calm and nice to each other without being at each other's throats. I thought that was that was very pleasant. But the actual explanation itself just sat really oddly with me. And I don't know whether other people have reacted like this. Presumably the cause will say yay or nay. But I just, yeah, it just it just didn't tally. And it didn't tally with Nick's deathbed confession. I mean, obviously, it tied up a lot of loose ends, didn't it? But it just seemed to be rather off-piste. And the fact is, when Nick died, they already knew that Matt had survived, that he'd recovered, and that he'd buggered off back to wherever he came from, Ecuador, wherever it was, Borneo, who cares, with two presumably very large suitcases full of money that he'd ripped off from other people. So, yeah, what's the deal? What's the problem? I don't understand it. Anyway, all rather odd. The second thing that um, that was kind of bothering me this week was really not to do with plot or uh, exposition or anything like that. It was simply Brian. Mate, you're 74. There comes a time when the old stag has to leave the rut, hang up his horns and then toddle off to pasture. And your time has come. It really is time for him to go, isn't it? And he's just got to accept it. Anyway, I hope everyone out there is enjoying a lovely Easter stroke Passover stroke whatever religious or non-religious observance you may be making um, and that everyone's well. And hopefully I'll speak to you again soon. Cheers now. Bye. Hmm. Miss Rudell. Paul Brian. It it is it is Paul Brian, but but not really. I think that's really harsh. He's had this coming. He has had this coming. Home Farm. The, the new reconstructed home farm was going to, it's going to be absolutely fascinating because if this really comes to pass that he's going to, you know, that he's, that he has to shuffle off, surely we're going to have the return of Debbie. If, if wow. for no more than just to come back and just to help Adam reorganize things, what do you reckon? Well, that would be, yeah, I think that would be um, what should happen. However, she's probably busy doing something (laughs) Um, on Broadway or or whatever, and and, and she can't, can she, the actor? Yeah, she's she's in demand and and fabulous. Um, Yeah, I saw her in Twelfth Night last year at the National. Very funny. Um, Yeah, I mean, would Brian, would they stay? Would they stay, uh, you know, on the farm? They wouldn't be able to resist interfering. It'd be really difficult. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Maybe they could move Brian and Jenny into one of those little, like, granny granny hovels that they've got there or whatever. To retire. Yeah, you know, like a little granny yeah. flat or whatever. And then Adam and Ian can kind of lord it over them. Um, and Ian can be using Jenny's arga. <laughs> it's, it's, it could all happen. 
Yeah, I, I, do, I do feel, I just feel sorry for, I feel sorry for him. Where do you see the character hmm. of Will going from here? Well, what I, I quite, I quite liked hearing him a bit brighter mm-hmm. this week. Um, and I did wonder whether that was partly why he told Ed, because things were lifting mm-hmm. a little bit for him. Um, so what I thought was really quite poignant was you had George and Jake arguing and Will just dismissed it and said, well, that's just me and Ed. That's just what brothers do. And But then to realise that through all of their fighting, and they've done a lot of fighting, you know, sw- you know, oh, yeah. swapped girlfriends, wives, lovers over the years, et cetera, et cetera, that actually Will... And Ed do have this bond. You know, there was a point when mm. they ran around the table together and Emma says, oh, you know, Ed, don't you think that, you know, uh, Jake and George, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, and Will shut it down. Ed was uncomfortable, but actually did side with his brother, didn't he? You know, and I thought that was, that was pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty, pretty telling. He was uncomfortable and he wanted to be on his wife's side, but put in that spot, he said, well, yeah, you know, we did just fight and it will just blow over. Yeah, well, God, I bet, you know, there's a difference between fighting about a bike or whatever to... <laughs> it's kind of too extreme. Well, that's true, but, but, I, but um, I suppose it's just the way that at least Will sees it anyway is that you have this sibling animosity and it is just normal not all siblings are like that very obviously yeah. but for them that was their normal well, I can see that, yeah, well. that was their normal wasn't yeah it? I, mean, I used to almost kill my brother you know and he me that's kind of sounds like a, sounds like a plot then, line really out of your of... sitcom <laughs> well it did that well, it's plot line out the the horror bin storyline um but then I, I always get really jealous of people who, with siblings who are they're really close, mm. you know. Um, Why aren't you close to your brother? But I, I am close to my brothers, but it's um, we, yeah, it's different. And we did, uh, especially my the, the brother closest in age to me. We argued it a lot mm-hmm. as kids. Are they still in Birmingham? Um, two of them are, and two of them aren't. I've got four. <laughs> yeah, I am a bit of an odd odd entity in the family really what's odd what's odd Susie about being an actor mm-hmm. many things <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's a question I keep coming back to because I see my daughter enjoying performing she's only three and a half mm-hmm. although she has actually already been in um been on radio four several times oh wow in, in a drama yeah, she has more work than me, um, but she enjoys it. And I think to myself, I want more. Will I? Do I want her to pursue that? I mean, it's still a long way to go until she has to make a decision about what she's going to do with her life. But it's it's a it's a joyous existence, um, and also one full of of pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, when it's when it's great, it's great, and when it's not, it's really awful. But 
and I know that a lot of people, nearly everybody feels like this. And it, mm-hmm. and actually, people keep saying, well, actually, you, you are quite a successful, you know, actor, voice artist. And I think, well, actually, yeah, yeah I am. Um, and there are lots of people who don't ever um, get the opportunities that I've I've had. And then you look at the next strata and the next and the next. Um, but I bet, well, I know, I mean, I've heard um, interviews with people like Patrick Stewart who still panic when they don't get, what's the next job going to be? <laughs> yeah, it's the only job I think where you have, uh, the creative, the creative, um, creative professions, you don't have any um, career path. You can set one in your head, but it's difficult to, you can't say I'm going to be at that manager level in five years time. I'm going to be in a lead role in an ITV crime drama in five years time. You could say that, but you can't, there's nothing solid that you can do that will make it actually happen. I mean, not that that's particularly my ambition, but yeah, I'll get morose. (laughs) You know, I've never thought of that before. You're completely right. Unless you say after 10, 15, 20 years, you're going to stop and you want to direct or produce or something. Yeah, you're going to stop. That's the only only control you've got. You are fundamentally doing the same thing and you are at the vagaries of of everybody else whereas if you are I don't know in just about any other industry you can say if I work hard the chances are I will get promoted and then I'll get promoted again yeah or I can go for that promotion even if I you Mm. know yeah but you can't even say I'm going to go for that audition because you don't have that you don't have that um the luxury of saying right i mean what part what plays are all coming up in the west end oh yes i'd quite fancy a part in that i'll 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 go in for that audition it just doesn't work like that which is why i'm writing something um mm. and why i have a theater company and why i like working with theater makers um who are creating creating things from scratch it is lovely um being doing auditions and getting a part and working with fabulous people. Um, and it's lovely being involved in um, amazing things like the archers and, and the other radio Four work that I've done. Um, and I feel very lucky that I can do that. Um, and I think, I think I've re- and I think I've reached an age now where I, I know what I'm capable of. Um, and I can try and make make that happen for myself. Um, and actually, even if this our sitcom um, doesn't ever get made, which I hope it will, but if it doesn't, actually doing actually the process of writing it is is really um, is really enjoyable. Um, and that just having that is giving is is a real kind of boost. Do you think that writing, writing your sitcom and collaborating with these other, I think you said there's three other writers, there's four of you, mm. has helped maybe give you insight into 
into acting, into, you know, when you go off for other roles? Um, um, I don't, no, I don't think so. In, not, in, not an insight into acting. Um, and I have, I have devised work before and it, I do a lot of improvisation when I'm creating work with my theatre company, although someone else, um, my partner in the company, Anna, will write, write the scripts. Um, but I've been in, I've, it's, it's an interesting process to see in terms of writing, you know, think about writers and how that works. Um, when you've got, you've got a set of characters, then you need them all to be involved and you've got a, you've got a plot line and you've got to get these points across. But how you get from A to B, there are multiple routes, and I find that really interesting. I'm really interested what what is coming going to come out of my hands when I sit down and type, because it's surprising. It's a lovely thing. It, I mean, it could all it could all be terrible. <laughs> what I've written, but I'm quite enjoying. It's not going to be terrible. But you know what we need to do. We need to explore this, the other side of an ad break and after a little bit of of Millie Bell. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most probably listening through a pair of headphones, which means I have the perfect sponsor with the perfect product for you. It's Studio, and they want to revolutionize the way people see headphones. Generally, fashionable headphones tend to lack the proper sound quality and the high-tech ones are bulky and not design-orientated. Studio bridge that gap while emphasizing sleek, modern Scandinavian design. To get a 15% discount on any of their wares, go to studiosweden.com which is spelled S-U-D-I-O Sweden.com and simply put in the code D-T-D when purchasing a pair of headphones. Hi, this is Lucy and you're listening to Walkie Talkie. Every day I walk my dog in and around Epping Forest and there's a regular group of dog walkers that uh, catch up with each other and 
the group of us, you know, we're from all kinds of different backgrounds. The one thing we have in common is that we all have dogs, obviously. And I sort of came up with the idea of recording these conversations because there's something quite confessional about walking side by side with somebody. There's no eye contact. You can just plod along. You know the names of their dog. You quite often don't know their name. You definitely don't know their surname. And uh, it's just a very odd little hour out of the day. And you can get some really startling insights into people's lives because they know that you don't have a relationship with them outside of the dog. And also if things get a bit, you know, emotional or a bit too close, you can distract yourself with whatever the dog's doing or you get quite close to people in a remote way. It's an intriguing sort of mixture. With people's permission, obviously, I started recording some of the conversations and it sort of grew and now people ask if they can come on the walk even though they don't have a dog because I think they just like the space to talk. So this is Walkie Talkie. I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you in the forest. Good day, everyone. First of all, I would like to thank Stephanie Power and Mike Hatton and Witherspoon, who are all very active on the forum and are certainly keep, keeping that forum alive for us. So thank you to you, but I think you would love it if more people came to join you. So uh, we would love you to get involved in the longer forum. And I think the fact that it can go over several weeks, which is not quite the case for Facebook. So if you'd like to have a longer conversation, then you need to go to our forum. So currently we have discussions about tattoos. That's been ongoing for a while and what tattoos various characters would have. Um, There's a very um, interesting discussion about who's map revisited. And Stephanie Power certainly has um, a strong opinion about this. She says um, that it was a a way to drain the potential drama out of a storyline. Will saying all that to Ed where he admitted to aiding and abetting his wife in the commission of a crime with no push from Ed that he knew just killed my sense that the writers knew what they were doing. It feels like they wrote up the, the accident on Matt and then filled in the simplest person they could with no repercussions for Matt or Nick. What consequences occurred because of this storyline? None. A lot of hot air. Uh, so please go and join Stephanie. It's a very interesting discussion there. I recommend it to you. Um, and she has also started a discussion about Brian and the business, which uh, would be, I'm sure that's going to be a longer story too, so that's well worth getting uh, involved in as well. On the Facebook page, we talked about the cheese classes um, earlier in the week because it seemed remarkably labour-intensive and we wondered if this was going to be uh, viable. Leonie Beaver said, I am more uh, surprised at the business plan that estimates that there are enough cheese pupils in the locality to meet the build costs of a really, really expensive training centre. Leonie, that's exactly what I was wondering, so um, I'm glad you agreed. Uh, Bex Ruth made me laugh because she said, uh, they are blessed, they can do as they wish, and we know that's because the cheesemakers are blessed. So thank you for that. Um, We talked about Clary, who has been a rock, and Franklin Habit said, I thought it was hilarious how she repeatedly at length hammered home for Will just how very, very, very upset Poppy was that he was late to fetch her. How she carried on, would not be consoled, cried and cried. Oh, God, it was awful, Will. You should have seen it. I can't do the accent. 
So it, actually, if you want to go and see what he's, uh, Franklin said, you really need to go and read it because my English accent is becoming more and more distant. Uh, but that's a rather a fun little thread there. Uh, we were also disappointed that Kate wasn't at the first meeting uh, with Brian and she, we knew that she would have something to say and we also wondered what would happen once Organic Pat and Tony find out. And um, Pete Branson said, the question is, why wasn't she there? Pat's where is Kate comment was a bit like Joe's, you've scratched yourself, Nick, you should put a plaster on that. In other words, I'm suspicious. I was half expecting her to swan stoned or offer tits on MDMA or something. And Martin Van Den Hoovel said the way they got rid of Kat and Kate and Rory was very clumsily done. I bet that even the actors don't know what Rory looks like these days. Now, remember, when I tell you some of the comments, they are only some of the comments from the Facebook page. So uh, you really need to go and get involved if you want to see. And most of our posters are hilarious. So you really need to go and have a look. Uh, we wondered whether... Ed would blab, and Claire Taylor said, no way will Ed blab, but at least he can confirm to Joe he's not going totally nuts and heard correctly. I'm just confused at how Nick seemed to act so normal in the run-up to her demise, and that was a popular view. Um, and Janice Betson said, if Nick had been arrested for dangerous driving, it would have changed the flow of events, and she wouldn't have scratched herself on that particular day on that box, and she'd still be alive. So Will's actions effectively killed her. Ouch. Oh, that is very mean, but possibly true. And we also had a bit of discussion about whether we'd heard the last of Brian's threatened retirement. And Leslie Greaves says, it's a rewrite of King Lear. He's given it all away, but still thought that he could keep control. And Joanne Smith said he said he'd retire years ago when he put Adam and Debbie in charge. He did, didn't he? Joanne, you're right. I completely forgot about that. But she continues, and then he just kept overruling their decisions when he didn't agree. You reap what you sow. Um, but Martin van den Heuvel says, I hope he will semi-retire so we can continue to enjoy his witty one-liners. Otherwise, we'll be stuck with gloomy humorless Adam and evil humorless Martin Gibson hovering in the background. Much, much more on that thread in that vein. So, uh, again, uh, we'd love you to get involved. We really would. There's quite a few of us on there now, and we all want to make friends. Uh, we've got five new people this week, and we're up to 1,830 likes, so we may soon get to 2,000. Um, so that's us for this week. Uh, please get in t- uh, involved with the forum or Facebook or Twitter, we don't mind. We just want to be in contact with you. So hope you had a good Easter. And even though it's April Fool's Day, I hope you are impressed that I did not play one prank on you. So until next time, hooroo. Thank you for that, Millie Bell. Hmm. Are you big on social media, Susie? <laughs> um, I try. I get sucked into it and then I have breaks. But I... I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then there are ones that exist that I don't even know about. What's the biggest one for you? Is it Instagram or is it Facebook or Twitter? <laughs> What's the one that you actually enjoy posting and get the most from? Um, I quite like Facebook because that's, that's where most of my – that's friends and family. Um, I think mm-hmm. they're different things. And then Twitter, I enjoy uh, because I find out about stuff that I wouldn't necessarily know about. Mm-hmm. Um, and Instagram is just fairly pleasant to look at pictures. But I do find I have to have breaks from it because 
It's too much. It's a it's a procrastination uh, tool. Par extraordinaire. It's just yeah. You just get drawn into scrolling mindlessly and getting depressed that someone else is having a better time than you. Who could be having a better time than you? But you, you, you're collaborating with, on this sitcom. You've got a bun in the oven. You've got a husband that loves you. You've got a daughter that's on Radio 4 more often than you. Life's sweet. It is. It is. I am, yeah, I'm, I'm having a nice time. And the daffodils are coming up. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, and doing this is great fun. I just hope your listeners think so. Well, listen. <laughs> she's waffled on. Listen, of, of course they will. And um, it's so, I'm just so, so happy that you could join us with, with, our, with our Lucy Bean away. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, tough seat to fill because Lucy is amazing. Um, and uh, I look forward to hearing her back. <laughs> look forward to hearing what people make of this. <laughs> Now, coming up to the end of the show, so I'm just going to give a little bit of a shout out uh, for Map Corner. Um, please, folks, um, love to get your tweets about maps and have had a few in since last week. Uh, but it's not as if I get a shed load of tweets, but I'm as lazy as hell. So if you could just do hashtag Map Corner when you tweet it to me, because then I can just have them all neatly in one little column on my uh, tweet deck and then I can just rattle through them on the next show. So please keep the maps coming for Map Corner but have that little hashtag. So it's hashtag Map Corner on any map that you want to send me. Um, go to dumdydum.com, go there. It's got a shop. Well, uh, hasn't actually got a shop but we are actually uh, dusting things off big styly, and... Um, Izzy is working with me on the shop and so is Lucy and we we are going to unveil the new shop sometime soon. But you can go on to uh, go on to dumdydum.com and join Tractor. And if you go onto the forum, you will even see mention of the Dumdydum Oxford meetup, which is going to be on April the 28th. And it's at 1pm at the Marsh Pub. So if you want to go and meet Naked Fingers in person... Uh, nip along there and now I know that we've got Nozilla and Auntie Jean and some others and even some Dumpty Dogs are going as well it's obviously one of those kind of pubs where you can bring your pooch so um, you can either go onto the forum to go and see that or you can go along you, you can tweet Nathie Fingers on the Twitters but it's on April the 28th in Oxford at 1pm it's a Saturday and Dumpty Dummers will be there bring your pooch if you want and remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203-031-3105 to leave a message. On social media, specifically Twitter, you can find me, Royfield and Lucy at Dumpty Dum. Actually, this kind of yokel bear that's really doing the Dumpty Dum is the one who's really good at it. Uh, but if you want to uh, catch up with Lucy, you can find her on Twitter where she's at Lucy V Freeman. I can be found at Royfield. And how about you, Susie? I'm at Susie Ritz. It'd be lovely to hear from you. And on Facebook, uh, you can go and join at the Millie Bell and With a Spoon show. 
they do great things over there and that's us on the socials you know what i can't believe we got to the end of the show and you haven't given us one tracy horribin impression <laughs> well i sort of said tracy as like tracy horribin earlier but um yeah i mean she's just put her feet up she's watching a bit of cory um having a baby sham having <laughs> a flick through Twitter. People have baby shams in 2018. <laughs> people do. People still love baby sham. Can uh, let let you into a secret, right? I had a date. I don't know about 18 months ago or so. Well, it was a prospective date, and I, ha- I had to cry off. And this is the. I'm going to sound like a dreadful snob, but I just couldn't stop laughing. So um, I'm, on, I'm on the phone to this prospective date and I said, so what, what have you been doing this evening? She says, well, I just like I was settling my nerves before before talking to you. So I had a couple of bottles of Blue Nun. I went, what? <laughs> she went, I really love <laughs> Exactly. She said, I, had, I went, I says, you've had two bottles of Blue Nun. She went, yeah, because I was really nervous. I was like they don't make blue none anymore and i just the whole thing just descended from the <laughs> bang in the next day <laughs> that's terrible that you'd be so ill gone off blue none yeah mm-hmm. yum well suffice to say we we didn't meet up that <laughs> night I, I, I... <laughs> oh. right susie rids we're gonna have to say goodbye to yeah. you um, but will you come back on again Oh, I'd soon? love to. It's been great. Thanks so much for having me. It's been lovely to talk about all things archers. Yeah, great. Awesome. Well, listen, I'll get my people to speak to your people and we'll get it set up then, shall we? I have many people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Royfield. Thanks, everyone. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market